Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. A lot of times when you're trying to heal from grief or any other difficulty in life, sometimes you feel anxiety along the way. And when you have those anxious feelings, what do you do and how can you handle them? Well, that is why I'm talking to my special guest today. Jay Plosker is not just an author, he's a TEDx speaker and he is a wonderful mindfulness coach. Mindfulness actually, he says, changed his life. And I know that if you struggle, it could change yours too. So welcome, J.A. It's great to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about your story. How did mindfulness change your life? Well, if if people have heard me on other shows or (laughs) if they've seen the TEDx talk, they've probably heard me tell the story a lot. You know, I tell this story as much as I can because it's really an important reminder of how out of nowhere, you know, our lives can change. Years ago, I was, I just graduated law school. And, you know, I don't really remember a time in my life that I haven't struggled with anxiety. I just can't remember. It goes back so far. And it kind of all came to a head this one time in my life. And I was really, really struggling. I was blaming my job for everything. I was thinking about what am I going to do next, you know, and regretting what I had done in the past. And so I went and met with a teacher of mine who was a really important spiritual teacher at the time and, and still is, and sat with him. And he said, you can ask one question. He said, you can ask me any question. He said, and you'll have the ear of the universe. I was like, wow, that, that's, that's what an offer, right? So I couldn't think of anything to ask. So you know, I said, should I continue with the law? Should I continue being a lawyer? Because that was what I was blaming for all of my issues. And he said to me, he said, you know, what you do for work, past, future, whatever, it doesn't define you. It's only work. And he said, I'm going to have the universe bring you that message. It's only work. Well, great, right? So what do you do with that, right? You go back home, you go back home with your stress, you go back home with your anxiety and your depressive feelings. Well, a few days later, my dad calls me out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And he says, the strangest thing just happened. He says, a man's voice just spoke to me and said, call your son and tell him it's only work. Now, he said, I'm alone in the house. He goes, I have no idea what that is. He goes, does that mean anything to you? Well, there it was. And for the first time that I could remember, I just slammed into the moment. I was totally present in the face of this unbelievable thing. And it was this powerful wake-up call that I was so busy planning and thinking about and wondering how and regretting when, I was making one small part of my life my entire life. And that was the moment that I realized I had to dive into the ancient wisdom that I had been learning academically in my background as a comparative religion scholar. And I had to really take a good, fresh look at all these personal and spiritual growth teachings. And I mined out of that the concept of mindfulness. That's the concept that kept dropping out. And I started to practice. And it's been over two decades And it completely shifted the way I approach my life, how I am in my life. And so that's, it's something that's always been with me for the, for the, for over two decades. Mm -hmm. So 
you got the message that it's only a job. <laughs> did that me. did that relieve once you once you heard that message? Did that relieve the anxiety? Like where like you're you're saying? So I practice the mindfulness. Well, what is the mindfulness? Well, it's not magic. So mindfulness is is this idea of being completely aware in the moment, right? Of our experience, of our thoughts and our feelings. It's, it's you know, it's John Kabat-Zinn, the person who kind of brought it into awareness in the 70s. It's about knowing what's on your mind, right? Instead of letting your mind carry you away, mm -hmm. but it's not magic. So I didn't immediately hit this moment of enlightenment, right? Or nirvana. Mm -hmm. What I did is I started practicing little things each day when to help me notice how I was feeling. I still had those feelings with me. I, I still struggle with anxiety and stress on various levels, but I've become more aware of it so that my mind doesn't carry me away so that I'm not flushed down that drain constantly, 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 like used to be the case years ago. So the mindfulness is the radical awareness of my thoughts and my feelings without judging them. And that's really the key. That's what really that's, that was the, the, the fix, so to speak. Okay. So explain how your mind used to work. Well, <laughs> so you were in law school, obviously like. probably not liking it too much. <laughs> People are telling me I'm supposed to like this. This is the path I'm supposed to take. What's yes. the matter with me that I'm yes. not liking this? Is that yes. the kind of self-talk that was going on? That and so many different varieties, you know, there are as many varieties of self-talk as there are humans on the planet, right? And mm -hmm. so every moment is that opportunity to kind of start spiraling down. So it would go like, um, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, like you said, I don't really want to be doing this. I'm going to apply for this job. Oh, I didn't get that job. I must not have interviewed well. Nobody's ever going to want to hire me. You know what? Maybe I'm really just not that good of a lawyer. Maybe I should just chuck this whole thing over and over and over again. And, you know, in my 20s, when you're dating, that kind of self-talk begins. You're trying to make new friends or you're trying to network professionally. That kind of talk begins. It was this constant companion. And the problem is, is that when we go on autopilot like that, it became automatic. Mm -hmm. We just, our life is happening in spite of us, mm -hmm. right? Our life is happening, but we're not present for it in any way. And these thoughts, there's no check on them, right? It's like a dog loose in the yard. It just keeps running around and around and around and there's no way to control it. And, and I had to find a way to start to rein that in. And it was very difficult. And I, we, you know, I still struggle with, with it. We all do. That's the human oh, yeah. experience. Absolutely. So I'm trying to take what, um, what was going on in your head. It goes on in every human's head. Some people, it just spirals longer and longer and longer and they can't get out of it. So that's what we're going to try to talk about. Right. I'm looking at, I'm targeting this to the people who are listening to this podcast, graduating grief. Right. And the self-talk that goes on with that. Right. I'll never be happy again. I can't move on. I'm not strong enough. Uh, this was my fault, or I'm so angry, or whatever the 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 story is that you're telling yourself. Um, how how do you? I don't know that you can put the brakes on, yeah. but how do you? You know, and I think that's what we try to do, or we right. try to outrun it, or right. we try to numb it. Exactly, exactly, and it's exhausting, right? 
Yes. <laughs> so, you know, mindfulness, one of the things that mindfulness did for me in that context that you're talking about is it, it, it got me out of a running type of mentality. And I'm so glad mm -hmm. you brought that up because I would come home from a day of doing whatever I was doing, but the day didn't stop there. I'd constantly be trying to mentally get away from everything back there or everything up ahead. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. And when you come to a place where you stop, mm -hmm. put a gap there and become aware of what you're feeling, you give yourself a few things. You give yourself space to sit Mm -hmm. You give yourself permission to feel and you give yourself a gap where you can make a different choice. It's like I said, it's not a cure-all. It's an opportunity to know what's on your mind and to make a different move, to make a different choice from a place of, of more calm. Okay. So do you try to question what's on your mind? You can. Sometimes I'll do a technique. There's a few techniques. The, mm -hmm. the first technique I ever learned, and it was from that teacher, actually years before we'd had that discussion, mm -hmm. was the basic technique. And at the time, I didn't really know it was a mindfulness technique. It was, he said, can you, because I said, I didn't, I don't know, how can I manage this stress? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, can you sit? And I said, I can do that. And he said, can you stare at the wall? Yeah, I, I can do that. He said, all right, can you pay attention to your breath? He built this little thing for me. Mm -hmm. that I could do. And he said, when you find your thoughts carrying you away, simply reset your focus back to the wall or the breath as many mm -hmm. times as you need to. That was the basic technique that I still practice 25 years later. But to build on what you said before, there are other techniques to help you gain insight where you close your eyes, focus on your breath, right? Give yourself mm -hmm. those breaths and then ask yourself, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? and see what comes up for you. Mm -hmm. Instead of running from it, you invite it in and you check in with yourself. And then when you're ready, you let that feather go. Center again and say, now what am I feeling? And as you practice this over minutes, over days, over months, you start to expand your awareness. You start to expand your bubble wider and wider. And you realize that you are more than this moment Mm -hmm. You are more than this stress. You are more than this thought and you become, you expand. Right. It's an interesting phenomenon. So that works in very well, I think, with what you were asking about. Well, the reason that I'm asking is because I want to provide tools for people to use when they're caught in these spirals. And right. I want people to realize that, you know, feeling your feelings is important. Sometimes that's what we're trying to outrun. We're trying to stuff them down. We're trying to numb them out. Absolutely. And uh, just one of the things that I, I was uh, writing about now is if you feel your way through this, that's when healing can start to, to take place. Mm -hmm. And the more you feel, if you just ride the wave, it will release. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Tell us, I love that. I mean, that's a great starting point for anyone who's listening to this right now. Can you sit? Can you stare at a wall? And can you breathe? Yeah. Right? Start there. Let's start there. So that helped you tremendously, but now you have taken it even further. So share with us how 
this has progressed in your life and how this has bloomed and blossomed to really your life's work now, correct? Right. Yeah. Or how it enters my life work. Well, I have to say something though, on that last point is that technique I got, well, now almost going on 26 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's the cornerstone. I still Mm -hmm. practice that technique as a cornerstone. But what it's led to, like you said, is this idea of now I'm getting better at knowing what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm being, I'm, I'm that technique allows me to better chart the course of my life because it helps me get in touch with the moment. But what this has expanded to when, you know, when I was, a, I was a social work counselor for years, working with people in addiction and mental health and grief mm-hmm. and all these issues. I expanded by helping others expand and it expanded my practice. And there are so many techniques out there. If you just Google mindfulness techniques, you could find so many. And so what I've done is I've expanded my tool belt. So uh, one of the things that I'm really into talking about, and if, if people have ever heard me talk before, they know it's this daily mindfulness, mm-hmm. like really washing a dish, Right. That's the expansion of that breath practice because you stand up from your breath and the wall and you go downstairs and you eat mindfully. You you focus on a meal. How does it taste? What are the textures of the food? You bring that practice of the moment to the meal. When that meal's done, you wash that dish with How does the water feel? I mean, have you ever really felt warm water? You know water's warm. But have you ever really felt warm? What does that feel like? What does a soapy dish feel like when you're playing with a child? Like I have a daughter. And when we play, trying to focus in on when we color together, what does it feel like to color with my daughter? What does it feel like to color? You know, these adult coloring books now mm-hmm. these that, that you can color in these designs. How relaxing is that? What does it feel like? What thoughts come up while you're coloring? The reason that's important, because people all say, oh, it's all coloring books, that's silly. The reason those things are important is it's what comes up for us that used to be autopilot while we're doing something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, washing dishes mindfully, that's silly. No, washing a dish mindfully is important because as you're washing dishes, maybe you would start to get feelings of anxiety for no reason, or you would start to regret something you said earlier in the day. Now you're noticing those things. They're not on autopilot anymore. That is gold, right? It doesn't have weight. It doesn't have volume, but it is priceless, heavy gold in a day. And it helps you to, you know, that presence, it, it helps you to live in the moment because so many of us are either living in the past or living in the future. If we're not noticing what's going on, and it was happening today as I was getting out of the shower and like all this stuff was going through my mind. And it's like, I didn't remember if I, did I brush my teeth? I didn't remember if I did I put deodorant on. I didn't. And I said, if you were present in this moment, because of course, so what my mind is saying, oh my gosh, what's happened with your brain? What's going on? Are you aging? Is there something wrong? And I'm like, no, I just wasn't present. I was somewhere else, totally somewhere else. And see, that's the thing. When you are in a state of grief, we are in this pandemic. A lot of times we want to be anywhere else, but here. Right. 
Right. So what do you have to say that can help us with that? <laughs> that is the, that is the natural human tendency because I I think my clients used to come in for their for their sessions or we used to have group sessions they used to say, "Well, I screwed up this week." I da 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 da. So what would happen um with clients, you know, in grief, "Well, I really messed up this week." Well, how'd you mess up? You know, I just, I gave into those thoughts and I started thinking about my husband or my partner or whatever. And I just, I broke down and they would view that as failure. A mm -hmm. lot of, we view emotional responses a lot of times as failure. And I think that's a really difficult place to be when we do that to ourselves. We will lose track of the day. We will drive to the store and not remember how we got there. We will find ourselves in denial or anger or depression stages of grief, even though we think maybe we've moved past those, or as you would say, graduated from them. That's okay. Feelings are not failings, right? That's, right. you know, feeling things are not a human failing. So what mindfulness does is it puts us squarely in our lives to be present for those feelings so that we can have that human experience. It's the most human thing you can do is practice mindfulness because it puts you in touch with what your human self is doing right now. That's such an important thing that I want people to remember as they go through this. I, I, that's been so huge for me. I used to view having a moment of anxiety as a failing, mm -hmm. but that point of view was the, you know, that was the, the problem. Right. This was shouldn't be feeling. happening. I shouldn't be right. feeling this way, right? Of course, of course. But when I embraced it, I could better move through it. Yes. See, that's, you know, I think that there's a fear of engaging in that emotion and, yes. and a fear of, you know, not engaging and feeling your way through because we're afraid that it's going to be too painful. A lot right. of this is painful, but no one said life is going to be free from pain. Right. So you can either put it off and do this dance, this crazy dance that lasts forever, <laughs> right? That, that, that there's no end in sight. It's like this 24 hour dance marathon that right. just never, never ends. Right. Or you can engage it, feel it, and um, be mindful of it and watch it pass right through. That's right. And then when it comes back, you know, my mm -hmm. teacher used to say, you know, your thoughts and feelings, they'll, you, they're, they're your children in a way. Mm -hmm. And you'd say, why? Well, you created them, you birthed them. And just like children, they'll come home, right? They'll knock on the door for a meal. They'll come in and put their feet up on the ottoman and take the remote and watch TV. That's the human condition, right? It's no different with feelings. Um, in one of my, in an audible silence, uh, my novel, the, the mentor character is, if, spends a few chapters teaching his student about mindfulness meditation. And he says, you know, you're, your thoughts will come back for tea or, or the, you know, and, but eventually you have to, or he talks about them in terms of being birds, you push them out of the nest. Right. They might fly back, <laughs> but the nest is only so large. And we have to really be careful as we go through our days that by being mindful and learning to, uh, you know, acknowledge and release these feelings, we're making room for other things in the nest. We're making room for other guests to come. And I think that's been so big for me is this has really helped me. Right now, we all talk about clearing clutter and downsizing and minimizing, you know, living the minimalist lifestyle. Well, in here, that works the same. Yes. 
And I was not aware of how much I was carrying around until I started these practices. And you start those practices. And I imagine that, you know, you realize how heavy carrying all of that was and how much lighter you must be feeling as a result of it. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. So other than the first practice where you sit, stare at the wall, observe your, your breath. And as you maybe float away, bring yourself back. What are some other things that um, we can do? There's, there are as many ways into this as there are people. And, you know, we talked before about mindful eating, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a big one called the raisin exercise. I don't like raisins. So I use a chocolate chip, you know, take a chocolate chip out of the bag or or the Hershey's kiss Mm -hmm. and feel it. sit with it, bring your attention to eating, practice that. How does it feel? Put it in your mouth. How does it taste? Is it sweet? Is it bitter? You know, think about the bean it came from. (laughs) Spend some time dedicating yourself to a snack or a meal, enjoying the textures and the flavors. That's one thing. People like that one because it fits into something they already do anyway. Mm -hmm. Taking a mindful walk feeling, well, how does it feel to put your heel to toe on the ground? That has a feeling and it reverberates up your spine all the way to your head. Mm -hmm. So if you go on walks and you find yourself really getting consumed with the thoughts of the day, turn your attention to how it feels to walk. If you're sitting at your desk and you're getting really overwhelmed, there's a really popular exercise called five, four, three, two, one. So in the moment, if you're really just losing it kind of at work or wherever you are, What are five things that you can see? Turn your attention to your environment. What are five things you can see? Name them, write them down. And then what are four things that you can touch? Your desk, your pen, your feet on the floor. What are three things you can hear? And you go down this list, right? Mm -hmm. It grounds you in the moment. There are so many different ways. Do a quick body scan. You know, if you are sitting on the couch and you find yourself getting stressed, pause Netflix for a second and just become aware of your breath. Always start with your breath. And then think to yourself, are there any areas of my body that are tingling, that are sore? Put your attention on them. Then start at your head or your feet and work your way through your body. Become aware that you are a body. You're not just a series of thoughts. These are all so many different ways, breathing, five, four, three, two, one, mindful eating, mindful walking, body scans, go online and find a guided meditation. I have a free mindfulness quick start guide on my site. Doesn't Mm -hmm. cost anything. Find some prompts for things to journal. How am I feeling in this moment? Get out that pen and paper, the old standby, right? There are as many ways into this as there are people. And it's really wonderful. What is, um, how can people get your guide? Uh, if they go to japlosker.com forward slash links, uh, there's a link there to a free mindfulness quick start guide. And it's two pages and it gives you something to practice, something to write, a few things you can do through your day. And then it brings it all together and shows you a way to establish a routine. And it costs nothing. And if that's all you take away from my site, fantastic. Get that guide and pick one exercise and make that the focus of the next 20 years of your life. And just practice that one thing. And even that can change your life. 
So I know why, how this has helped you. How did you know that, that once you discovered it and once you saw how it worked, that this was what you were going to dedicate your life's work to? I didn't. I, you know, it's funny you would ask that because I, I don't really see it as this, this, this path. It's, as we said, it's a series of moments mm -hmm. over time getting back in touch with my life, getting back in touch with, with my life, I realized that I could take steps I never thought I could take. I could find courage I never thought I had because my thoughts weren't really anchoring me anymore. I was more free. And But I think it was probably when I made a transition between careers um, because I'm a, I'm a full-time writer and editor now. I write trainings and things. That's mm -hmm. my other job. But I realized that mindfulness was in everything that I did. And I think that realization at a career shift was when I knew that maybe this was something that could help the world. And I had to dedicate myself to writing about it, speaking about it, coaching about it, because I, I just have to share this. However and wherever and whenever, I just have to share this message. And so now it's, it's unstoppable. I can't be separate from this. <laughs> it's just who you are. Just who I am now. So it has become so ingrained in you. But let me ask you, how have you seen it change others that you have that you have offered this to? Well, that's a really interesting. I, I, I can remember there were clients that we would have uh, group sessions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times people didn't really want to be there. And I remember one day, instead of resisting that, you know, that spiral of thoughts, am I not a good therapist? Am I teaching the wrong thing? Do they, <laughs> it, it, boy, if you really want to test oh, your yeah. mind, become a counselor. And I gave into that one day and I said, all right, I stopped. No one knew I was doing this. I grounded myself. No one saw me doing it. And I thought, what's the next thought that's going to come into my head? And all of a sudden I thought about the yin yang. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had everybody put their papers of the stuff we were working on that day under their chair. And I got up and I picked up a marker and I drew a yin yang on the board. And I had everybody get in touch with something inside of them that they felt was bright and something inside of them that they felt was dark. And it led to a three hour group about mindfulness and the power of knowing where we are in life. And something strange happened. I was a temporary therapist at the time at this site taking over for someone else. And I get after the group, I didn't see them do this. I just heard about it later. They marched out and demanded, right, that I mm -hmm. become a full-time therapist at the place. What it showed me was when I get out of my own head mm -hmm. and tap into the room in that moment and have an open discussion about mindfulness and meditation it can change lives. And some of these women actually came back to me weeks later and said that some of the things we had learned had helped them overcome drug cravings, had helped them overcome very difficult um, depressive symptoms. And that's when I started to key into how powerful this could be. And it's happened in small ways ever since. People taking these tools and not getting in a fight with their partner, mm -hmm. driving past their drug dealer's house because they had a breathing technique in their pocket. This, the power of this is unlimited. Does it fix everything? No, it doesn't fix. But what it does is it gives us a tool belt so that we can start the process of fixing it. 
And I think that's one of the most important lessons that I've learned from it. Over well, yeah, that's, that's the key word there. No one can fix it for us. We have to do the work ourselves. And so you have provided us with the most valuable tool for our graduating grief toolbox, JA. And I thank you so very much for sharing it with us and, um, and for being a part of this and helping others graduate from their pain so they can step into who they were created to be. Well, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for this show. <laughs> thank you for this. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.